The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. Rules for me at Christmas is the carols by candlelight all over the place, and just so many people that um, sing the carols, and it's just awesome. I, I find it awesome that they're singing so much theology, and it's just beautiful. You know, hark the herald angels sing, and uh, you know, you just move into the verse and God and man reconciled. And, uh, you know, there's just little one-liners. But in those one-liners, there's so much deep theology. And I'm not sure that most people that sing it fully understand, you know, the, the, you know, the, the theology behind it all. But when you get saved and you start to sing those songs, it means so much more than just words on a page and nice, nice tunes. And, and so what I want to do today is just explain to you a little bit about the theology behind Christmas. You say, wow, that's a big term, the theology. Well, actually, the contemporary uh, title is the reason for the season. But uh, if you want it a bit deeper, it's the theology behind Christmas, okay? So some of you, you're going to go for reason for the season. Others of you are going to go the theology behind Christmas. Let's, let's just open up one verse that I want to open up this morning. It's not your typical Christmas text, but this text is so important because it's because of Christmas that we have this. It's First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. While you're opening it up, for us, Christmas is so much more than uh, food and lights and presents and uh, food. Did I say food? Okay. Uh, let me just say it again. Food <laughs> and lights and uh, shopping and Santa and decorations. How many of you like to decorate your house for Christmas? Uh, Anne loves decorating her house. She just loves it. And, uh, and she loves the, uh, the Christmas scene. And so we got a few of them, actually. And we have the, the scene where you have Mary and Joseph around the manger. And you've got Jesus, baby Jesus, in the manger. And then you've got the sheep and uh, you've got the wise men, and you've got the uh, the shepherds, and the boys as they grew up just loved playing around with it. And um, they'd get baby Jesus, and they'd hide baby Jesus, and get one of the sheep, and put the sheep in the manger. And it used to always rile Anne up, who put the sheep in the manger? <laughs> and and so then I came up with it's the Lamb of God, and so yay go for the boys. And uh, Anne was not happy at all. <laughs> But decorations and all that sort of stuff and all the tinsel and all the lights, it's beautiful, but that's only the trimmings of Christmas. The real essence of Christmas is Christ. It's about Christ, the mass of Christ, the service of Christ. Christmas is about Jesus. It's the amazing story of Jesus. So let's read 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, and we'll open it up later on. This is what it says. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Do you know that before Christmas, this was not you? 
But since Christmas, this is you. And then it goes, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And in these two verses is the essence of Christmas. It's, it's in these two verses what God has done for us. So if, let's, let's start at the beginning because Christmas, for me, is about restoration of relationship. How many of you know that relationships are what makes life beautiful? When you have good relationships, life is beautiful. When you have broken relationships, there is a pain deep in your heart that's hard to remove. Matter of fact, the first negative thing that God ever said in the Bible, the first negative thing, you think, what? God said a negative thing? The very first negative thing is found in Genesis chapter 2. And the first negative thing that God ever said in the Bible was, it is not good for man to be alone, Genesis 2, verse 18. It's not good for us to be alone. We were created to be in relationship. And relationships is what makes life beautiful. And broken relationships is what makes life sad. Matter of fact, the stories of life that we enjoy listening to are stories of of mended relationships. I mean, I mean, every love story is about a relationship that was lost that is now restored. I mean, here it is, the theme for every love story. You ready for this? Once you know the theme for every love story, you don't have to watch anymore. All you guys are now exempt from watching because you know how the story goes. Okay, this is the way it starts. Every, here it is, boy meets girl. Okay, boy loses girl then boy finds girl again. And that's the essence of every chick flick. It's right there. And so um, all you guys now are exempt because you know how the story ends. Okay? Unless you want to win points with your beloved and then you will go through the chick flick just to win the points. The fact is as well is that guys love war movies. We, we, We like the action flicks. But again, at the essence, how many of you guys like the action flicks? But again, the essence of all the action flicks is, is the, the broken relationships. And war is all about broken relationships. But any good action flick is where the relationship that was broken gets restored and the good guys win. And they fix that which was broken. And there you go. So whether it be a love flick or whether it be a war movie, the essence of everything that touches our heart is restored relationship. It touches our heart. There is something deep within the heart of man that wants to see relationships restored. So how does the gospel go? How does this Christmas story go? Well, let's start at the beginning. The beginning is the human problem. And the human problem is repeated over and over and over and over and over again right throughout history. So when we start in Genesis... Right at the beginning of the Bible, this is what we find. We find a happy family. Adam and Eve, happy family. God creates Eve. He says it's not good for man to be alone. Gives him a beautiful girl and they are living in bliss. Awesome. 
And then what we find is this. The enemy comes and brings division in the relationship. Now, who's the enemy? The enemy is, well, there's lots of names to him. Satan, the devil, the serpent, the deceiver. I mean, right across all the religions of the world, everybody believes that there's an evil force. And we believe in an evil force called the devil. He is the author of broken relationships. So he was the first one to break relationship with God. He was in heaven, created by God, the, the, the chief musician of heaven, just incredibly beautiful in every aspect. And then what happens, something rises up in his heart that wants to make him like God. And so he rebels and breaks relationship with God. So he's the author of broken relationships. And so there's this division in heaven because of broken relationships. How many of you know that broken relationships bring division? And division is painful. It hurts our heart. And so he comes in, the author of broken relationship, and starts to meddle in a perfect relationship between Adam and Eve and God. And so you've got perfect relationship between man and God, perfect relationship with with each other. And so there's this incredible harmony between God and within each other. And so the enemy comes in to bring disruption and so tempts humanity to disobey God. And through that disobedience, there was broken relationship and sin entered in. And before you know it, what you've got is this disharmony between God and man. And so we get this picture where God's walking in the cool of the evening to have fellowship and relationship. And then all of a sudden, it's broken. Man has sinned and they're hiding from God. There's embarrassment. They've, 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 they've created fig leaves to, to hide themselves and they're hiding from God and, and they realize through guilt that they've sinned. Relationship is broken. And then when God confronts them, all of a sudden there's disharmony between each other. Who told you? you, you what happened? What's going on? And so what man does immediately starts to blame shift. This woman that you gave me, she forced me to rah, rah, rah. And so you've got this disruption of relationship. Then what's sad is that as you move into the next chapter, you see the broken relationship. And so there's, there's Cain and Abel. Uh, that's, this is Genesis chapter 3, is broken relationship between Adam and Eve and Adam and God. And then you come to chapter 4 of Genesis and there's broken relationship between Cain and Abel to such uh, a point that Cain ends up murdering his brother through jealousy. What a horrible thing jealousy is. Don't you hate jealousy? I hate jealousy. Do you know, do you know let, let, let me tell you, jealousy is just one of the scourges of humanity. And all jealousy is, is not being happy with what you have and wanting what somebody else has. That's all jealousy is. Discontent with what you have and wanting what somebody else has. 
And so, and so what you have is Cain murdering Abel. And then you go to Genesis chapter 5, and that's all the genealogies. You get to chapter 6, and, and, and God is grieved to his heart. You get to chapter 6. We're talking just chapter 1, he creates the world. Chapter 2, he creates humanity. Chapter 3, it's the story of Adam and Eve. Chapter 4, it's Cain and Abel. Chapter 5 is genealogy. Chapter 5, you've got Noah, where God now is so grieved to his heart that he created man. Why? Because all over the world, there's broken relationship. All over the world, there's disruption. All over the world, there's people wanting what somebody else has, not being content with what they have, broken relationship with God. And in Genesis chapter 6, verse 6, Bible says that God was grieved to his heart that he made man. And so it's broken relationship. So that's, that's the scene. And that scene is, is repeated all over the world. You think about the fact that you walk down any street in Australia and open your ears and you'll hear shouting. You'll hear verbal abuse, domestic violence. What a horrible thing. Can I just stop here for a second and say it's despicable for any man to beat up his wife. Why would you do that? That's, that doesn't make you a man. Beating up your wife, you promised to protect her, not beat her up. What is going on there? That's just a result of broken relationship. That's the devil getting right into your home, getting right into your soul. And Jesus came to bring an answer to that. See, the solution to domestic violence is not money. The solution to domestic violence is Jesus. Christmas is all about the solution to broken relationship, domestic violence, racial violence. Every, every problem that exists in the world through broken relationship, the answer is the Christmas story. And so we're about to get into that, but I just wanted to set the scene of the human problem. So next we come into part two of the story, and that's the God solution to the human problem. Here it is, the God solution. The God solution is the Christmas story. This is the God solution to the human problem, a broken relationship. Jesus came to solve broken relationship. Jesus came to be the bridge builder. And so he came, first of all, to heal our broken relationship with God. And secondly, to heal our broken relationship with one another. Let me talk about healing the broken relationship with God. How many of you know that offense is a very real thing? Have you ever been offended by somebody? Has, has somebody taken something from you and offended you? Has somebody said something to you and offended you? Has somebody done something to offend you? See, there are things that cause deep offense. And so one of the things that I try to do in my life is not to offend people. So uh, I try to find the various cultures so that I don't offend you. So, so one of the things, if, if, you know, if I come into your home and you're an Asian family, I will take off my shoes at the door. I do that with joy. Why? Because the bigger thing for me is not to offend you. And uh, for those of you that are Aussies, understand this, that if you walk into an Asian home with your shoes full of mud and dirt, you are offending them. So why would you do that? Why, why would you not listen to cultural uh, uh, delicacies and do what is essential 
in, in a home. In, in my home, one of the things that offends us is that if you, if you smoke cigarettes and you drop your ash all over the floor, that's offensive to us. Now, we, we will grit our teeth. We will forgive you, but we've got to work through the forgiveness. Okay? How many of you understand that? Huh? It's a process, exactly right. And I'm sure that a lot of you that are Christians are gracious, but you, someone's pushing some buttons and you've got to work through how to resolve the offense. Now, God is offended by sin. There is nothing that offends God more than sin. Sin is the chief offender of God's sensitivities to such a degree that it breaks relationship. And Jesus came to mend that broken relationship. And so when Jesus came, as Anne said earlier on, he was born to die to deal with the sin factor. And so through the birth of Jesus, that brings us to the death of Jesus. He pays the penalty when he died upon the cross. He paid the penalty for our sins. But there's got to be more than understanding the story. There's got to be an acceptance of the story. Because it's one thing to be forgiven. It's another thing to keep repeating the offense. So, so, so here's the deal, okay? Here's the deal. I walk into your house with my shoes on. You, you, you forgive me. And, and that's cool. So I can understand that the offense is caused by keeping the shoes on. And so how do I stop offending you? By just going to the front door, leaving my shoes there. And so now I've been forgiven, but I don't continue in the offense. You're smoking at my house, puffing away, puffing away, dropping ash everywhere, filling the house. The smoke alarms are going off because of all the cigarette smoke. I, I forgive you. I forgive, but what you do is that you go outside if you want a fag, a smoke. And so, and so there's got to be a change that takes place. With a lot of people, what they want is the forgiveness, but they don't want the change. Okay, and so, and so here's the deal. I'm going to talk about earlier on how God helps you with the change, but just hang in there for that. So, so I, I love the fact that with God's gift and restoration comes two things. Number one is forgiveness, and number two is restoration. And this restoration, I just want to open up a little bit because this is so beautiful that God not only forgives us, but restores us to our right place. And this is that text that I was talking about. There's five descriptions of what God's restoration is. God says, okay, now that you're restored, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. You end up becoming the people of God. Now, that is something else. When you begin to understand what this means, it revolutionizes everything. Why is that? Because God elevates you to the place that he created you to be. And that is a king's kid. Everybody say a king's kid. What the enemy wants for you to do is to be a slimy worm. But God created you as a king's kid so that you might live as a king's kid. And understand that you have noble spirit within you. The nobility of spirit God has placed within you. You are a king's kid. You're an heir of God. A king's kid. And that causes you to be in the whole scheme of the universe, right up there above angels, below God. 
He's created you lower than Elohim, but above angels. And so there's nobility within your spirit. There's royalty within you. And what Christmas is about is calling the royal people to come out of slum living and be prepared for palace living. To understand this, that you have been designed by God to live with royalty running in your veins. And, and, and so when you understand nobility and royalty, it elevates you to a whole new way of living. And there, there are royals today that we respect because they understand that with privilege comes responsibility. And so this is the royalty that God wants to give us as his people that understand that God wants to bless us, God wants to elevate us, but with privilege comes responsibility. And the responsibility we have is to care for others, to look out for others, to restore relationship with others. And so he elevates us and makes us his own special people, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, the people of God. I want you to think about that for a little while. Because throughout eternity, those that have understood the Christmas story, those that have understood the Easter story, will be seen as the special ones, the awesome ones, the children of God, the heirs of righteousness. Just people that have been exalted by God to a higher level. And with that comes responsibility. And that's the good news. That's why the angels came down to proclaim it. This is good news for all generations. This is good news for all people. God has called you to come out of the chicken yard of sin and start to rise up in the heights as children of mighty God. How awesome is that? And so... When was the last time you looked yourself in the mirror and said, Whoa, I'm a child of God? When was the last time you did that? Huh? Because I want you right now to turn to the person next to you and go, Wow, you're a child of God. You gotta do the wow. That's that wow. You're a child of God. Wow. When you're a child of God, that restored relationship elevates you to a place of dignity. And the thing that breaks my heart is when I see people that are living below the dignity line. When I see people that are just, you know, you walk around and you see, and you see people, you know, there are homeless people that, are living below the dignity line. There are people on our streets that are begging, living below the dignity line. And so with us, that are king's kids, we have a responsibility to try to lift them up. We've got a responsibility to try to help them understand this is not what you were created to be. You are royal. You are noble. You are are God's creation that he created to live up on a higher realm. 
And so this is the message that we're trying to proclaim to people. I don't know if they're listening, but we're going to proclaim it. God is calling his kids back to himself into restored relationship with him. And when restored relationship happens with God, I mean, you know, have you remember the story of the prodigal son? I love the story. The story of the prodigal son, it's found in Luke 15, because what happened with this child of nobility was that this child of nobility ended up living in the pig pen. And understand in Jewish sensibilities, the pork, the swine, the pigs were the lowest of the low. And so anyone that was eating the scraps or looking after the pigs was considered the lowest of the low. And so the parable points out that's to the depths that this young man got to when he lived in a royal household. And so he comes to his senses. He says, he says, the father, the father is waiting for me. I can't stay here. And so he lifts himself up. He goes back home, finds his father. And what does his father do? Immediately restores him back. Here's the royal robe. Here's the royal signet ring. Here's the royal sandals. He gives him restoration of relationship, restoration of dignity, restoration of position. How many of you think that's awesome? I love that. One person clapped. I love that. Huh? <clears throat> so, so the Christmas story starts off with restoration of relationship with God, but then moves into restoration of relationship with each other. Because the big problem, the human problem, is broken relationship with God, broken relationship with each other. And the Christmas story is restoration of relationship with God and restoration of relationship. Did I just merge those two words together? I've just created a new word, a beautiful word. Uh, Restoration, whatever. Okay, I can't even repeat it again. Restoration of relationship with each other. Now, how does this happen? Oh, I love this. Because this is what happens when you get saved. God does it all. He actually paid for it all, does it all. It's nothing that you do. It's everything that he's done. And so this is what God does. He says, let me give you the gift of salvation. Let me give you the gift of forgiveness. Let me give you the gift. And all you do is receive it. All you do is receive it. And then God says, okay, now we've got a problem. And the problem is the problem of change. Now that you're restored back to being a king's kid, how can I stop you from going back to the pig's pen? How can I stop you going back to the slime and grime of the world? And God says, this is what I will do. I will place my Holy Spirit within you and I will empower you to live the God life. What? God not only gives us salvation, but gives us the power to live the saved life. What? No, see, see, we've got to get out of it. It's me. It's my works. I've got to do it. I've got to, I've got to be better. I've got to be a good person. I've got to do this. I've got to do good deeds. God says, you know what? You can do that all that you like, but you'll always fail. But let me give you my Holy Spirit that will help you. And so God gives us the Holy Spirit, His Spirit, and He comes to live within us. Wow. 
Bible calls it, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit begins to live within us. Then the Holy Spirit begins to guide us and direct us as we become sensitive to the working of the Holy Spirit. He begins to transform us. And the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit operating out of our life, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, all these incredibly beautiful uh, 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 demonstrations of the God character in our lives. And so because the salvation is ours, then grace flows through our lives and eternal life and abundant life become ours. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we become noble people that are able to operate well through life. How awesome is that? Let me finish this morning, Tim, if you want to come up. By just saying this, that the Christmas story is more than just the story of a baby born in a manger, those beautiful scenes that we see. It's the story of restoration of relationship with God and with each other. When the Holy Spirit lives within us, there's a sweetness that flows out of our lives. and We become nicer people. We become easier to live with. We become just the God type of person. And, you know, when people encounter us, they don't encounter nasty, mean-hearted, ugly people. They encounter people that have been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've noticed this with so many people that have gotten saved, is that everything about them starts to change. Whereas they used to be mean and nasty, now they're kind and giving. You know, and I, and I look around this auditorium and I see people's lives that have been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Christmas is all about: peace and goodwill to all men. For us to be changed by the power of God. Restored relationship with God. Restored relationship with each other. And so the giving of gifts and the giving of grace and the giving of love for us is a demonstration. Not because we have to, but because we want to. (laughs) But let me finish today by just saying the Christmas story is full of decisions. You know, when you think about the Christmas story... There are so many decisions that were made. Mary was the first one. She had to make a decision. Hey, I need someone to bring the Savior into the world. Mary, you've been chosen. Are you keen? What does it mean? Well, a virgin. I need a virgin. And the virgin shall bear a child. She's What was she? A teenager. But she made a decision. She put up her hand and she says, Lord, Whatever you want to do through my life, I'm available. What an incredible decision. She could have said no, and we would never have known because she would not have been included in the Bible. But she said yes, and every Christmas, center stage, there's Mary. Then another person that made a decision was Joseph. He was betrothed to Mary, and he found out that she's pregnant. I mean, what's the go? Hey, my fiance is pregnant. I know that I didn't do anything. What's the go? But he made a decision. Angel appears. Hey, Joseph, she's not a bad woman. She's a great woman. That which is inside of her was, was conceived by the Holy Spirit, Joseph. 
take Mary as your wife. And this baby is going to be the saviour of the world. She'll call his name Jesus. He'll save these people from their sins. You look after that baby like it's your own. And he put up his hand and he said, yes, I'm willing to look after Mary. Yes, I'm willing to look after Jesus. Another decision. The shepherds, other decision makers. Hey, this day in the city of Bethlehem is born a saviour. Go and check him out. Okay, we'll leave our flocks. We'll go check him out. And there around the manger are the shepherds because they made a decision. Wise men, they made a decision as well. They're a thousand kilometers away. Hey, right across the other side of the world, a savior is born. See the star? You've got to follow the star. Don't know where it's going. Don't know where it's going, but follow the star. How long is it going to take? Don't know how long it's going to take, but follow the star. You know, they packed up their camels. <coughs> they got their gifts. They made a decision and said, we're going to go worship. We don't know where. We don't know how long it's going to take us, but we're going to go find where the star is leading us because underneath that star is the Savior of the world and we are determined to worship. Then Herod made a decision as well. The wise men found Herod and said, Herod, hey, we've come to worship the King of Kings. We know that he's born somewhere in this country. And Herod's decision was, I'm going to kill that baby. I'm the only king around here. I don't want any competition. I'm going to kill that baby. And he went, made a decision and killed the innocents of Bethlehem. All the kids that were two years and old and younger, Herod killed. Decision, decision. Mary made a decision. Joseph made a decision. Shepherds made a decision. Wise men made a decision. Herod made a decision. You've got to make a decision. Christmas time, you've got to make a decision. And the decision is this. Will I accept the Savior of the world who came to restore relationship with God and relationship with humanity? Will I accept him as my Savior, as my King, as my Lord? Only two answers to that question. Yes or no? How many of you have said yes? That's awesome. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. And I'm going to pray for those that have not said yes. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.